Again, glad that you're here. Why don't we tell them thanks for our lunch today. Great job as always. Again, say it every week, but I want to encourage you. Invite somebody to join you every single week. Think about somebody you can grab or, or pick up or meet here every single Thursday, and we want to continue to see our men's lunch grow. So again, want to be always mindful of who we can invite to, to join us in our men's lunch. Today, we're going to go back in our Bible study. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, bring a Bible. If not, uh, you can listen to it. I'll read it to you, but I want to encourage you every week to go ahead and bring your Bible. This week, we're back in 2 Peter. We went through 1 Peter verse by verse. We're going through 2 Peter verse by verse. We're moving through uh, the second chapter now in 2 Peter. It is a chapter devoted to and, and directed at false teachers and false teachings. We've been on that subject uh, really, throughout, throughout the entirety of the second chapter, uh, we've been on it for two weeks, and then we're going to spend one more week on this subject, uh, moving through the verses. So again, today we'll talk about it the next week as well. It is a chapter uh, that warns us, and really is warning the church, of the danger of false teachers and the danger of false teachings. And over and over and over again, we see it. Uh, it's, it's pretty impressive where it shows up, uh, but over and over and over again, we're seeing the call to stand on the truth, the, the, the call to stand up for the truth. And we need to be sure and understand uh, it is not my truth, and it's not the world's truth, and it's not your truth. It's not a denomination's truth. It is the truth of God. It is the truth of God's uh, word that he's revealed to us, he's given to us in the Bible. So understand, the, the truth that we're upholding is not my version of it, not somebody else's version of it. It is the word of God, uh, the Bible that we have. And let, let me say this again, and, and I can't really say it enough. Let me attempt to always make this very, very clear. Um, this, this right here, the Bible, it is the word of God. These are the words from God. These are the words of God. This is the inspired, without error, complete, sufficient word of God. And, and it's not man's ideas about God. It's not man's attempt to try to explain God. It is the actual word of God. And I think we need to have that Understanding. We need to hold that understanding. When I, when I have the Bible, I have the word of God. I have the words from God. Not some token thing. Not some self-help book. Not some academic book. The actual words from God. It is the truth. That is our standard, period. Now, let, me, let me just tell you, Satan can't stand that. Uh, Satan can't stand that we possess the truth that God reveals and, 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 and keeps for us, preserves for us the truth. He can't stand for us to have the truth, uh, the truth by which lives are changed, the truth which changes eternity, the gospel, uh, the, the truth that homes are set on a, on a solid foundation, in the, the, the truth that will bless our wives and our kids. He can't stand the fact that we hold God's truth. And so he comes and he attacks that truth. Well, understand these false teachers are his agents. And so Peter is given a very clear warning about false teachers, about their false teaching. Well, today in our verses, Peter talks very specifically about these false teachers. And we go through a set of verses here where he, in great detail, is going to describe these false teachers. He's going to give us here a pretty exhaustive list of their character traits. And so I'm going to read the verses to you, a chunk of verses, and then we'll come back and look at the, the character traits of a false teacher. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2, 
Uh, Today I'm going to read verses 10 through 14. It says this, And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning, unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. That's our set of verses today. That's, that's the listing. Let's, let's move through those verses and look at the description as clearly as we can. The first thing that we see in verse 10 is it says, These false teachers, they indulge the flesh and its corrupt desires. All right? So you want to, you want to have a listing of things that, that you can observe, that you can look for in a false teacher. Well, the first thing it says, they indulge the flesh and its corrupt desires. Now, what that means is this. For these false teachers, it really is all about self-satisfaction. It's it's really about about pleasure. Now, it could be sexual here. It probably is talking in that context. But it really could be any form of seeking pleasure instead of living for the glory of God. And so instead of living for God's glory, they're living for themselves. And they're living for their pleasure. They serve themselves. Also in verse 10, it says this, they despise authority. Second thing, you want to see one of these folks? They despise authority. Now, authority here actually translates, it actually holds the meaning lordship. And so what this means is they do not want anything or anyone to lord over them. They despise authority. Now, what that means is uh, these folks would tell you, no, no one's going to tell me. God's not going to tell me. God's word is not going to tell me. Nobody's going to tell me. They despise authority. Where the Bible says that we're, we're, we're spirit-led, that we're led by God, that Jesus is our Lord, that when we're saved, we say Jesus is our Lord. These folks say no. No one, no person, no thing will have lordship over me. Already, and I want you to see this as we move through the list, already see how counter they are to the ways of God. See how counter they are to the things of God. Jesus says, the Bible says that Jesus is our Lord. They say, nobody's going to be my Lord. No one will hold lordship over me. Then the list goes on. Verse 10, it says, they are daring. They are daring. It, it means reckless. It translates darers. They're darers. They, they dare. Uh, they're reckless. Now, now, the thought is this. They hold no concern or regard for consequences. They come crashing in and they're bringing their agenda and they don't care who gets hurt and they don't care what's happening. They don't care about consequences and they're brash and they're bold and they're brasher than we'd ever try to be and they're reckless and they come crashing in and they defy God. That's what it means. They're dares. They defy God. 
God says this, I say something else. God says, this is the plan, I'm going to serve myself. They come crashing in, no concern for consequences, and they defy God. Says all this in the list, verse 10. Self-willed, self-willed. Well, it just makes sense. That, that's opposed to how we are as Christians. We're, we're led by God, we're led by Christ. They are self-directed. In fact, they are so self-directed that they believe they're going to have it their way at all costs. Now, I'd like to have my way, and if I can push that in, I will. They're going to have their way at all costs. Whether they have to lie, whether they have to distort the truth, they're going to have it their way at all costs. Let me read the rest of verses 10 and verse 11. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. Now see this, it's kind of a, a hard verse to understand. See what this is saying. It says they do not revile, they do not tremble, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Now the first angelic beings here in this verse is talking about demons. Now, now what the verse is saying is here is they do not fear demons. They do not fear the demonic. Now understand, when you are dealing in opposition to the truth, that's where you're dealing. And, and it, does, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're opposed to the lie, you're in the darkness. If you're opposed to the truth, you're dealing in a lie, and you're dealing in the demonic when you do that. That's what it's saying. They have no fear. They do not tremble at those angelic majesties. Those are the angels that fell. Verse 11's talking about the angels. Let me read it. Whereas the angels who are greater in might and power, do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. Now, what that, what that means is these are the angels, and it says the angels even have a healthy fear of demons. They do not take demons lightly. And so what, what it's saying of these false teachers is they act like it doesn't matter. And you know what? My agenda is what I'm going to embrace. And so that leads me into darkness. That's fine. And that's the, that's the realm of the demonic. And that's fine. I'm not scared of that. That's their mindset. They, they do not tremble at the thought of the demonic. Verse 12. Listen to this description in verse 12. But these, listen to this, like unreasoning, unreasoning animals born as creatures of instinct, just do your instinct, to be captured and killed. That's describing the animals. Reviling where they have no knowledge will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Now, I want you to see the picture here in the 12th verse. Have you ever been somewhere, and it may be a small animal, but you ever been somewhere and you, and you get a wild animal hemmed up? You ever, you ever get a possum and get it cornered? And that, that's a, a kind of a cute looking little deal. And all of a sudden its teeth show up and it starts hissing and running at you. You ever get a wild animal and just get it hemmed up and see how it acts? Um, maybe, a, maybe a better picture is this. Don't try it. Maybe you did as a kid. You ever try to put a cat in the bathtub? Take your cat, take your kid's cat, and try to push it down in the bathtub. They go bananas. There, there's claws. We didn't even know there was claws that existed. And, and they come out like a, like, a, like a ball of fury. That's the picture here. When you confront them, when you say this is the truth, 
when you try to reveal what's going on, when you try to shine the light on them, they become like a wild animal. They, oh, they look so kind. And they become like a wild animal, like a, a cat that you try to put in the bathtub and their claws come out. And that's the picture of them. Try to hem one up. Try to tell them this is what the truth looks like. See what response you get. I promise it's not going to be prayerful consideration somewhere in silence. It says this, reviling what they do not understand. Now, what this means is they have no knowledge. They do not possess the truth. But instead of trying to seek it, they hate it. And that's the picture of a false teacher. Instead of saying, no, I'm not sure what this means. I'm not sure I have an understanding of this. I'm not sure what the truth looks like. And I would like to seek it. Instead, they ridicule it. They, they mock it. They, they make fun of the truth. And so you say, well, this is what the Bible has said. And this is what God has said in his word. They laugh at that. And they talk about some new thing or some way to, to disparage that. They mock and they laugh and they ridicule the truth. And I want to tell you, that takes the shape usually of mocking and ridiculing the person that brings the truth. That's generally what that looks like. Here, here are these people, they hate what they do not understand. And they mock it and they make fun of it. Verse 13. Suffering wrong is the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Verse 13 says, suffering the wrong as the wages of doing wrong. Now what this means is the truth still holds. And they can deny the truth, but the truth still holds. And they harm themselves when they ignore the truth. Now, uh, no matter how they act, no matter how it seems that they've got it all put together, when they reject the truth and when they embrace a lie, they harm themselves. God's truth still stands. God's truth is still the standard. And if anyone, and I don't care who it is, if it's us today or if it's one of these false teachers, if anyone wants to live like it's not the truth, if anyone wants to reject it, they're going to suffer themselves. And so, you know what, if you say, I'm going to embrace the lie, it's going to hurt your marriage, us and them. You know what, I'm going to embrace the lie, it's going to hurt how you raise your kids, you mark it down. If you're going to embrace the lie and, and hold that up as the, as the standard, it's going to harm you. These folks are harming themselves by embracing the lie. It says they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. What that means is this, they have no shame. They absolutely have no shame. They do it in the open. What ought to be embarrassing, what ought to be counted as ridiculous, they do it in the open. They have no shame. Somebody, somebody put this video up the other day, and I, I watched it. I guess maybe I shouldn't have. But it's this, it's this famous preacher, I guess. I'm not going to call him that, but he's a famous guy. And he has a, has a jet that costs $50 million dollars. And he's in his church, and there's a cross that represents my Savior's cross. And he's there in his church, and he's asked his people for the blessing of God to bring their money and lay it on the altar. And these folks are coming up there poor as Job's turkey. They're bringing this money, and they're pouring it out on this altar. And there's, there's money up there, and these poor folks are bringing their money, and they're putting it up there because he's going to multiply it, and he's going to bless it. And he actually dances up and down the pulpit in front of the image of my Lord's cross, stamping in their money, promising something that doesn't exist. Shameless, shameless. Do it in the daytime. That's the picture of it. 
Then verse 13 says this. Here's the list. They are stains and they are blemishes. In the Greek, in the original language, it means what we would think it would mean. They are dirt and they are filth and they mar what is pure. That's what they are. That's what Peter says. They're stains, they're dirt, they're filth, and they take what is pure and they mark it with a stain. I'm going to take a sidebar right here for just a second. I'm going to take a real quick detour. Listen to me very quickly. From Peter's example, a true, listen, a true Bible-holding, Bible-embracing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching, true shepherd from God will call these folks what they are. Today, people say, well, why, why do you do that? Why would you do that? Why, why can't you just do what you're going to do? Why can't you just focus on the truth? Why do you have to, to point them out? Why do you have to call them out? Isn't that divisive? Oh, that, that looks so divisive. Isn't that unloving? And if you, call them, if you call them that, for sure you're unloving. And only God's the one that can judge. And, and, and they will not call them out. Friend, the Bible is clear here. A love for the sheep is a call to protect the sheep. And a love for the word of God is a call to defend the word of God. And I want to tell you, a a God-sent spokesman for his word will come and they will plainly call out false teachers. Ever heard that? That's their job. That's their job as the shepherd. Peter says, you know what? These folks are stains, they're filth, they're dirt, and they mar the truth. He calls them out. Let me tell you something, 2018 and politically correct day, that's not ever going to be accepted. You know what, when you see someone promoting the, the lie that's going to lead people to destruction, you have to call it what it is. That is a lie in their mouth, they are liars. That's what Peter does in verse 13. Now let's go back to the list. It says, reveling in their deception. And what that means is this, it's pretty interesting. They love their lies. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Most of us hate our lies. Most of us end up telling seven more lies to cover up the first lie because we didn't like the first lie. And it's an embarrassing thing to, to have been caught in a lie. They love their lies. They celebrate their lies. They revel in their lies. They take their lie and they hold it up like it's something to celebrate. Nobody does that. A false teacher says, here is a lie, a God-slandering lie, and they hold it up like it's something to point to. Reveling in their deception. Verse 14 continues the list and it says, having eyes full of adultery and they never cease from sin. Now, this is just a, a, a natural thing that you'd expect. They're given to sin. Of, of course they are. They have no idea about the truth. They don't want to embrace the truth. They're, they're given to sin. They're not pure in their lifestyle. Their message is messed up and their lives are messed up. And they're given to every sort of sin there is. And you watch these folks and we wonder, well, how in the heck did they ever get there? The reason they got there is they never held the truth. They never embraced the plumb line of God's word. They're given over to sin. They, they're tangled up in sin. Verse 14, they have hearts trained in greed. Their hearts are trained in greed. Maybe this is the motivating factor of it all. Their hearts are trained in greed. They are corrupt and, and they're, they're driven by gain. They're, they're driven by self-promotion. They're, they're driven by self-embetterment. And I'm going to tell you 90% of the time that's tied to money. 
They're, they're, they're driven to self and betterment. It's about me and, and what I have and what I get from you. And, and you poor folks bring it up here on the altar. I can't imagine when they all left, he came in there like a, like a crazy dog and, and raked all that stuff up and took it home with him. It's all about self and betterment. It's usually about and tied to money. Let me give you my opinion. It doesn't always hold true. My opinion is this. Be leery of any worship experience that costs you money. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that. Uh, that's my opinion in, in this day. Be leery of any time you have to pay $99 or $129 or, or $29 to go somewhere and hear a praise band and hear some slate of speakers. Now, I'm not talking about a conference. I'm, I'm talking about a worship experience. Anytime, and, I, and this is my opinion, anytime the speaker walks out with a half million dollars, that's a far cry from take up your cross and follow me. That's a far cry from, the, from I don't have a place to lay my head and the foxes, they have a hole, but I don't. And I would be very skeptical if any time somebody profits from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's an outstanding sign. Next one is this, and it's, it's straight up. They are accursed children. Any way you want to look at it, what that means is this. They're lost. They're lost. They are under the curse. They do not have fellowship with the light because they're agents of the darkness. Well, they got about 62% of this right. Well, they, they say our words. Well, they've got a cross there in front of them. They have no part in the truth because they're proponents of a lie. The Bible says this, they are accursed children. What that means is they're lost. They're going to hell. These false teachers, well, it's all right. What, what does it matter to me if that happens over there? That's their business. They are accursed children. They're lost. They're going to hell. The dangerous thing is they lead others to go there with them. That's, that's the dangerous thing. They lead others to go there with them. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. Then it says this, enticing unstable souls. You see, the shame of all of it is this. That's who they attack. That's, that's who they take advantage of. They find somebody they're looking for hope. They find somebody in a vulnerable position and maybe the things of life have, have brought them to a place that they're willing to listen. All of a sudden, somebody tell me an answer. Somebody tell me where there's hope. And then this person jumps in and they entice, listen to the word, entice unstable souls. And some dad who had the potential to lead his wife and lead his home is led astray. Some wife that had a, had a potential maybe to be a good influence for a husband and, and, and then a future generation of kids is led astray. And that's, that's the shame of all this. Yeah, they line up with money and yeah, we act like it's no big deal. They take unstable souls and they draw them in and they lead them to wreckage, to ruin. That's the shame of it. I'm going to stop right there. It's a very heavy list and we'll keep on going next week. I want to I end with this. This list helps us identify them. Here's what they look like. Here's the list. God gives it to us. Peter records it for us. This list helps us identify them, but it does more than that. And this is, this is what I, I sat there this morning and I, I just looked at this. It does more than that. It shows us what we need. It shows us what we need. Yes, it tells us what they look like. It shows us what we need. Listen to me as we close today. 
What you need, and I'm talking to you very specifically as a, as a man here at the men's power lunch, what you need, what you have to have, what you have to have, it's not negotiable. What is imperative to your Christian growth and imperative to your Christian walk. Listen to me. What you need, what you have to have is the opposite of this list. You need preachers and you need teachers who do not sell out to the world, but rather who are sold out to Jesus Christ. You need preachers and you need teachers who are not self-serving, but rather are self-sacrificing. You need preachers and you need teachers who are not haters of knowledge, but rather teachers of the truth. You need preachers and you need teachers who are not self-led, but rather who are spirit-directed. You need people who are not going out to entice the weak, but rather in self-sacrifice would take up the cause to uphold the weak. You need preachers and teachers who unashamedly, unreservably, totally will preach and teach the word of God. That's what you need. Let me tell you this. Here's how we're going to end. If you don't have one, brother, you better go find one. And if you've got one, you better get under them. That's what you need. You need a preacher and a teacher who will say, this is the word of God. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave some word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for your truth. And we see you taking a hard stance against agents of the lie. We see you calling them what they are, stains and blemishes, filth and dirt. And it's because you love us so much that you understand the truth, the gospel is going to tell us we couldn't have sinned too much to be outside of your grace. We could have gone too far to be outside of your grace that there's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. There's restoration through Jesus Christ. There's fellowship with the Holy God through Jesus Christ. That's the truth, and you cannot stand when the truth is slandered. I pray that we would embrace that truth. I pray for some here that are lost that they would embrace the truth of the gospel and be saved. I pray for us that are saved, that we would understand it's no Mickey Mouse thing, Lord. It's no thing that we could take lightly, but that we would stand for the truth. I pray for men in this room today that they would go seek out a preacher and teachers of the truth. And they would put themselves under them and they would learn and they would grow in the truth of your word. And then I pray the result of that is that we would be God-honoring disciples who would go and make more disciples. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.